Today, I'm going to be continuing. I'm ending what I was talking about. I started talking about last week about nothing wasted. The point I'm making is that God does not make mistakes. If you are driving your car and then the car had an accident and later you fix the car or later you maybe you had a brand new car and maybe again there was an accident or maybe you were going to school you failed an examination you didn't you don't understand it uh, maybe you 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 went about your business something bad happened uh, to you and later you became successful what i'm saying is that all these collection of things god puts them together and that's what he calls your divine purpose the divine purpose of god is made up of good the bad the ugly he puts them all together and then he causes it to be manifested in our life so our two scriptural readings i took it from the book of john chapter 6 and verse 12 and i i picked it all from the new international version john 6 12 says that when they had all had enough to eat Jesus said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. Amen. So Jesus did not waste food. When I came to America, one thing I realized was that people waste food. And, and there were some times when I just realized that, hey, somebody has just drunk half a, a bottle, you know, and then the other half is going into the trash. And I said, hey, because I was just coming from Africa, you know, and they'll eat and then they'll, they'll tell me that, oh, don't worry new one will come you know and i was surprised and sometimes even the bottle you know back home in africa we call it mineral bottles i don't know what you call in the other countries though but the soda that we have here we call it minerals and when we drink from the bottle of soda you are supposed to keep the bottle because without the empty bottle you cannot get a new one they will take the empty bottle and then they'll replace it with a full one for you but over here i realized that everything was going into trash or recycle and things were wasted but i'm telling you that from this particular passage it means that god is mindful of everything that he puts into your life so that nothing is wasted even food when we read romans chapter 8 and verse 28 the bible says that and we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose so it's for me it feels absolutely very good that god does not waste anything when our lives are concerned you you went somewhere it didn't happen for you and you think that oh your friends have gone ahead and you are behind when it comes to your divine purpose god is telling me to tell you that nothing in your life is wasted so that every piece that is broken incomplete or whole in the collection of our lives is made beautiful and significant in the hands of God there is nothing in our life that escapes the notice of God don't think that God is not looking at certain things or when you go through certain hard hard zones in your life that God did not see he is he sees everything that goes on in your life everything matters to God and not only does it matter but if you are his child, he promises that every part of your life, he's going to use it for your good and for his glory. Can I hear an amen? You know, our scriptural passages confirm that God uses our grief. He uses our tears. He uses our joy. He uses our gains. He uses our losses. He uses our pain. He uses our trials. He uses our tests. He uses our, our triumphs. He puts all of them together and nothing is wasted. When I was in the, in, the, in the high school, I realized, I think I was a little knowledgeable. I think I was above average. That's what I think. <laughs> and I, I realized when I entered up to the time before I entered from primary school, elementary school to um, uh, high school, I had never failed any exam before. And I went to high school and that trend was still following. I remember that in my first year in school, high school, we had about 12 subjects. Six of them, I had A, 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 A. And then about the, the, the last five, it was like B's and B pluses. I was good. 
So, I mean, things were going on in the second year, the same thing. But something strange happened in my third year. You know, I always say this story because I, I wrote an exam. I didn't read the instructions carefully. It was history. And we're supposed, I knew everything in that history book from cover to cover. And I, I could literally just uh, uh, write the things in it word for word. But this examination was such that they said that we should choose one question from each section. I did not read that because I knew everything. So when I did, when we st I started the exam, I started, I did the first one and I did the second question. And the, the thing that happened was that not knowing that I did two questions from the same section. So when the results came, I remember I had 97%. But then some concerned people in my classroom, some people who knew that I had answered two questions from one side, they went to tell the teacher, no, we noticed something that Kweku answered two questions from the same section, so he didn't really do what was expected of him to do. And the teacher said, oh, it is true. So one whole question was just canceled. And I remember to this day, my mark that I got at the end of the day was 48 and a half. And that was my first exam I had ever failed from primary school to high school. But I want you to know that even that failure of my life, God used it to bring the best out of me. I, I mean, never in your life should you think that you went somewhere and it didn't work. You went for an immigration thing. Oh, it, people, they even sent you home. Or they said that they will never give you. God is putting all these things together to bring out his ultimate purpose for your life. Amen. So nothing is wasted. One thing that I learned, or we learned last week about Moses, was that I said something that he was too Hebrew, to be Egyptian and to Egyptian to be a Hebrew guy. So Moses was like a misfit. I mean, he didn't really fit. And uh, when you are called according to purpose, you should expect to be a misfit in many areas of your life. When you are flowing along with everything, you flow with the people of the world, we go here, you are in everything, there is something really wrong. There is a place for being a misfit in your life as far as the purpose of God is concerned. So let's take a look at a few points that I, I put down. When you are called according to purpose, the purpose of God, what are you to expect? Number one, being a misfit is part of the methodology of God for fulfilling your purpose. It's just a part of it. Being a misfit. God never intended for you to fit. Take it from me. He never intended for you to fit. So if you are listening to me as a married person, you are listening to me as somebody who is in a relationship, you are listening to me as somebody who is a nice guy in, in a job, God never intended for you to fit. He never planned for you to fit. So if you are in a relationship or you are in a marriage or you are in something that is supposed to be beautiful and you start getting or seeing things that are not really matching between the two of you, it is not time for you to walk out. It's time for you to realize that God never intended, intended for you to fit. In that way, he brings the best out of you. In that way, he's able to shape you. When we were all born, God puts what I call our personality types within us. That's the seed that God plays within us. And one of the first things that you realize in a relationship is that when it's a normal relationship according to God, God made you a misfit in making you a woman and in making the other person a man. First thing, you don't, you just, the, the, the people who are doctors here will tell you that when you're a man, you are very different from when you're a woman. Or man and woman, they're all the same. Physically, they are not the same. And even inside them, they are very different. So to start with, you are not going to fit. God never planned for you to fit. If Moses had fit in with the Hebrews, he would not have been able to lead them. 
On the other hand, if he had fit in with the Egyptians, he would not have been able to even correct them. He would not have been able to rebuke them. You know, some of us are believers, all right, but we are fitting very well with unbelievers. They do the wrong thing. We are never able to say focal. We don't say anything. They, 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 are, they are talking to them and they come up with a very foul word. And born again, believer, child of God, you are sitting in a laughing <laughs> like there is nothing. Like God has never even put anything in you. You are trying to fit in. And a lot of us go through life just trying to fit in. But God never intended for us to fit. And that's why he made Moses like that. And the, 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 the teaching we are having today is trying to see what God did with Moses and trying to see how he, he wants to also use that example to teach us something that we all need to know as his children. If Moses had fit in with the Midianites in the wilderness, he would have rather ended up settling in the desert. He would have settled a home there. And he would have aborted his purpose or destiny to lead the people of God. So sometimes the feeling of not fitting in, it is not that you are lost. It's not that you are not in the right place. But within the context of relationship, within the context of school, of job, of your Christian life, and everything in life, you should know that God needs that aspect of your life in order to work out something better for you. God might be leading you from one stage to another to enable you to fulfill your purpose. So remember that the steps, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So if, if you're a righteous man and God is ordering your steps, do you think he's going to put you in a bad place? Every step in your eyes that may look like it's bad, for God, according to purpose, it is good. And he just wants it to be that way. The second point is this. Also in the life of Moses, if you are exposed to something, or if somebody, I, re I realized even yesterday in my own home, if somebody is telling you something, or somebody is exposing something to you, and you keep walking, it means that thing is not for you. If somebody is giving you advice, and you are not paying attention, and you are still texting, and you are still looking somewhere else, you are not, paying you are not listening to the person, it means that that thing is not for you. If, if God is revealing something to you and you don't even stop to listen or look at what God is doing, it means that that thing is not important to you. If you are saying an important thing to somebody and the person is still on WhatsApp, the person is still watching videos, the person is still texting, the thing you are saying is not for that person. So Moses, with all his misfit things going on in his life he did not give up he did some things that were actually amazing he kept taking his steps in accordance with the will of God for his life in the wilderness and suddenly in the wilderness out of nowhere the Bible says God revealed something to Moses that he had never seen before he exposed him to something Bible said that there before him was a flame of fire from the middle of a bush. The bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. That's Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2. And Moses, did, he did something here. That's what I want us to all learn from what he did. Moses did not continue walking. Moses turned aside to look at what he was being exposed to by God. He stopped. So no matter what you are doing, if something is important to you, it will move you from what you are doing to focus and listen. If your wife is talking to you and you can still watch English soccer and tell her that, oh, when I finish, it means that that thing the person is saying is not important to you. Or if you are a woman, and then you are engrossed in something, maybe in a phone conversation. I know women and communication on phone, it is, it is amazing. So you are talking so much that when a person is talking, you are doing this. You're doing this. Stop, stop, stop. Let me finish with this. It means that thing the person is saying, it is not important to you. It's not good for you and it's not even meant for you. So that's why in life, people who are good listeners, they go very far. 
They go very far in their endeavors. In the business world, in the spiritual world, everywhere, in your marriage. If you want your marriage to go far, when you are even watching the most important game on TV and your wife just pops in to talk, stop. Turn aside and listen. There are some times that I even use a trick. And when I, now I don't use that trick anymore. Because it's important. There are some times that I stop, all right, I'm looking at her, but my mind, my mind is still on the thing. But make sure that you are focused. And that thing alone will take your marriage far. It is a secret, I'm telling you. Don't do it for a long time. After some time, you learn. But whatever you are doing, stop. Everybody says stop. Stop at once. Focus and listen. Not that the person is coming, you are doing this, the thing you are watching is so important. But that game will end. And when that game ends, it's the beginning of your troubles. It's the beginning of the war. That will never end. Except for grace. It's important. People who are good listeners, they go very far. So if you are not able to do that, it means that whatever it is, is not important to you, it is not for you, it will move to somewhere else where it will be appreciated. If somebody, your husband or your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your, 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 your partner is talking to you, talking, and every time you, are, you don't have to, time to listen, that thing will go to somewhere else where it will be appreciated and listened to before you realize somebody has taken over your property. Can I hear amen? It looks like in the time nobody wants his or her property to be taken. Amen. Number three, God will not speak to you if he does not get your attention. So this is actually connected to that. He will not. No, from the passage in Exodus 3, God did not speak to Moses when he was exposed or Moses was exposed to the bush. He didn't, he didn't speak. It was only the bush that was burning, and then it was still not consumed, but God did not open his mouth. But this is what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4, and I wish you can read it for yourself. Exodus 3, 4 says, So, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, God called to him. That's the only time that God, God, God called to him and said, Moses, Moses, when he noticed that what he was exposing to him was important to him, and for that reason, he had stopped or turned aside to look at it, immediately, God spoke to him. When God turned aside, or when Moses turned aside to look, God spoke to him. God saw that this person knows uh, what he, 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 I mean, he wants in life. This person is serious. This person, for this thing that I'm exposed to this person, it means a whole lot to him. God was not ready to talk to him. There are many of you who are not hearing God the way that you should. Because you have not invested well or very well into the things of the spirit. If you draw near to God, the Bible says that he will draw near to you. That's a spiritual principle. It's even a physical one. If you get close to something, it means the thing is also getting close to you. If your faith in God is shallow, how can God communicate with you on a one-to-one -one or one-on-one -on -one basis? The best way of hearing from God is to hear from him directly, not through another person. And it can only happen if you stop and you turn aside to look and focus on his presence. Can I hear amen? The next thing about this same story is that your destiny is in the fire. So Moses saw fire. Moses saw a flame. But that was all that his destiny was about. If you run away from the fire, you will run away from your destiny. Some of us, the thing that we hate in our life is pressure. The pressure is your fire. The thing we hate in our life is opposition. You talk about something, somebody disagrees. It is your fire. And your destiny is in that fire. Your destiny is tied to your fire, to your problem, to your storm, to your adversity, to your fight, to your battles. All of us. I'm sure that physically, last, last week I said it. I'm sure that physically, if some of us had seen, a, you wake up, you live in bed, 
you wake up, you step out of your road at 2 a.m. And in the middle of the road, from nowhere, pew, burning bush, fire. Some of you, you run for dear life. Why do I know that? Because some of you, a, a simple animal like cicada, you are afraid. Have you ever heard cicada before? Or a, sim a simple animal like bee? There will be drama. So if a burning bush, and you look at the bush, it is not being burned. Hey, witchcraft. I mean, you will run. You will just flee because some of us, we don't want to face our fires. The little adversity which comes, we are running away. Common fly, common wasp, common bee, you cannot bear. Mercy. It is the fire that is going to ensure that your destiny is secure. It is the fire, let me say that again, it is the fire that is going to ensure that your destiny is secure. Do you know, I, I, I work in the gold company for a long time. And what I realized that when you are finished mining, when we take gold, we take it out of dead. We take it out even if it's coming from the, the whitest of material. Some of the gold occurs in white material called quartz. Even if the gold occurs in that, we still have got to take the whole thing. The gold together with the quartz and together with the, the, the waste material and everything and, and put it through fire at the processing plant. And what it does is that when the fire or the gold is exposed to the fire, it takes out all the parts of it that should not be there. And at the end of it, we get the finest quality of gold coming out. So if you run away from the fire, you are still going to have a lot of dirt on your life. You are still going to have a lot of things that should not be a part of your life, being a part of your life. God is exposing you to your fire for a reason. Amen. And for your purpose. So listen, your destiny is tied to your adversity. There are some of us who want the coolest environment when it comes to our lives. America, UK. Everything is so everything is nyafunya. Everything is nice. You don't want any problem. The very first encounter of a problem, you say, I'm done. But God wants you to know that your destiny is in the fire. That's why Moses encountered that fire. He did not run away from the fire. The Bible says he turned aside to look. And when he faced and when God saw that he was ready to face the fire, God spoke to him. So don't walk away when the fire comes. Don't walk away when the storms arise. Don't walk away when the adversities or the tribulations show up. Face your battles because your destiny is often tied to them. Amen. Then there was something else which happened. God suddenly said from nowhere that, hey, Moses, I know you have been walking through the wilderness for a long time and you are not having any regard for this wilderness, but I want to assure you that where you are standing is holy ground. So the next point I made here is that the ground is holy wherever God shows up. Wherever God shows up is holy ground. You don't have to go for a prophetic meeting to see that the ground is holy. You don't have to meet a man of God for you to know that the ground is holy. You don't have to go to any giant gathering of people or a crusade to see that the ground where you stand is holy. And I'm sure that when Moses heard his name like Moses, Moses, he was cool with it. But when he heard that the, the, the place, the dirty, lousy uh, wilderness uh, ground where he had been walking for the past years, where he was standing was holy ground. I'm, I'm sure he probably said, that, oh, no, God. But the ground was holy. God was saying it was holy because God was there. Once God exposes himself to you at any stage of your life, it means that where you stand is holy. Amen. Beloved, when God is involved with you and present, it does not matter where you stand. Maybe the marriage or the relationship doesn't look like the brighter, but when God is with you, the ground is holy. Maybe what you are going to do looks like it's an uphill task, but... If God is there, the ground is holy. So why do people like worshipping the last stages of their lives? Instead of where God has showed up in their lives. Because sometimes we, we just say that, oh, when I believe that Moses could have always said that I was in the palace of the king. It was, people were serving me, I was glorious, and etc. So he, he wouldn't believe that in the wilderness where he was going through a lot of issues, that ground could be holy. But God was giving him a revelation. 
that it does not matter the things which have happened in your past they could have been glorious they could have been powerful they could have been mighty but every stage of your life where god is is another place which is holy ground and god can use it to give you bigger blessings amen so rather than living in the glories of your past or just waiting on the stage you are going to why don't you just be grateful for the epiphany of the bush at the place where you are standing sometimes you are going through something great but the reason is that you are looking at where god has lifted it looks like somebody has been lifted too and you are despising the ground where you stand some of us enjoy the glories of the past and of other people to the extent that we forget about what god is doing in our own lives remember that when god is with you every stage of your life is holy every stage of your life is amazing and that's simply because god is present amen and the next point here is that if you curse the way god led you you will not reach the place he's taking you to or if let me put it in another way if you become on how god has led you to where you are now and the reason why we become ungrateful is that we see that there were certain things we looked like it didn't go right there were failures there were disappointments there were certain low places in our life and because of that we are not able to say a big thank you to god for how far he's brought us when you curse that way you will not reach the place that god is taking you to when we reach exodus when we read exodus chapter 3 and verse 5 the bible says that then he said take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground so moses was in a good place in his life for him i believe that he felt that i was in the wilderness i'm in a rough place i've been seeing snakes i've been seeing uh, lions i've been seeing tigers this is a very rough environment I, I, instead of me uh, looking after at a point in his life this man was looking after sheep the sheep of jethro you know and but he had been in the palace before but he could have told himself that why is this happening to me but he didn't i mean when he found himself on holy ground god had to tell him to take off the insulation to take off the shoes that he wore because the shoes he wore was preventing him from having a direct connection with the ground on which he stood and that's why god said it so he kept the sandals on on holy ground and god had to step in to let him know to explain something to moses and this was it god was trying to show him why he took him through this route in the wilderness god was trying to lead or moses first was trying to lead the children of israel to some place where he had never been before and if god had allowed that moses would have led the israelites through a place that neither of them or neither of them could have had experienced before so he let moses go through the wilderness first to experience the wilderness first so that he will have the credibility now through his pains through his suffering through his tears through his ups through his downs when he got into the position to lead them later it's very important some of us we have never been married before but we have made ourselves marriage counselors we, we don't know marriage but when somebody brings a marriage it will bring it to me this is what you have got to do you have not been there before some of us we have not gone through the pain you have not gone through the fire we have not gone through the wilderness so how are you going to be an inspiration or tell somebody about what is to expect them god had to take moses ahead i always use my story when i came here when i came here like i said i came with my ghana certificates i came with my degree from ghana and the first message i heard from the people here was that you, your degree from ghana will not go far that's what they told me you will not forget you have got to go to school here so suddenly from nowhere god gave me a job with my ghana degree and i went there and i did i know that god did it for a purpose 
so that he can use me also to encourage people that it is possible. So anytime people come around, I tell them, hey, he did it for me, so he can do it for you. So that when you have even heard from people that forget it, you will not go far. Go and sweep somebody's store. You believe it because God took me ahead so that I can preserve life. So I'm able to say that story. It was for no reason. When you read the book of Genesis 45, Joseph and his brothers, the Bible says 45 and verse 5, it says that, Now therefore, he said, Be not grieved nor angry with yourself that, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Don't, don't be worried. The reason why God did it was for me to be here so that I will go through that experience so that you do not have to go through. So God wanted Moses to be able to help somebody else who will go through a similar wilderness situation. God did not give you a green card or a U.S. citizenship. God did not give you an amazing job. God did not give you an amazing apartment or home for you to be mean. Because some of you, when God takes you through that, you think, like, hey, every other person is beneath you. But God is taking you through that so that you can preserve life. The method or the places you pass which were dangerous, you can tell some other person that you don't need to go through that corner. I went through that because of you. You can bypass this place and make that. I always say this story that when we were moving from Nevada to Delaware, we just needed an apartment, common apartment. And the person was supposed to, we sent a message to, to help us. The person said this, uh, you know, I mean, since I came to Delaware, I have not lived in an apartment before. All I have been living in is house. So when you talk about apartments, I cannot help you. That was being mean. So this person just made it clear that he has exceeded the level of apartment and now God has graduated him, uh, it's a hair, uh, to a level of home. When you talk apartment, I am not there. You know, and sometimes it's painful that God takes us through certain things to help people, but when we get there, we rather become mean. Rather become, and make sure, somebody literally told my wife sometime that, years ago that you you have had it very easy since you came to america you should suffer some yes since you came to it is too easy you know, you do know what we went through i've seen that you have not gone through any of those things you should suffer some what a mentality god takes you ahead so that you can preserve life God takes you to a school. Maybe you, you, you manage to pass an exam to get to a certain to a school. There are some strategies that God will teach you so that you can also teach somebody. I remember my, for my wife, for instance, she has a lot of people have passed through her hands because uh, she came from uh, Africa, came here, passed an exam that they call the NCLEX examination, but she got help along the way. I remember coming sometimes traveling from uh, Ghana to come and sit with her. And then she would ask me that, she would tell me that, let's ask me these questions and see if I can answer them. And then I'll ask them. They were from a particular material that she had gathered from somewhere. And I'll ask them. Sometimes she'll make mistakes, but she'll, I'll come back and I'll ask again. And then she'll get it right. I did it to the time when she went to write the ink class, not, not three times or four times, just once she passed. But when people come to her, this is what she tells them. You know, I also gathered material from some place, and I can give them to you. She makes it clear to people that NCLEX examination is passable. You can pass. But if there are people who have not grabbed the concept of preserving life, the person can easily tell the NCLEX, you fellow, it is hard. At least I wrote it about four times. You, I'm sure you write it five times so. People can do that. It's for you to be able to say that I have been there in that situation before. And the same God who brought me out of my situation will bring you out as well. So tell a sister, tell a brother, tell somebody that nothing is wasted. 
nothing that you are going to go through, even if you went and it didn't happen for you, it is not wasted. God is using it to form the story about your purpose for your life. What you went through, how you suffered, how you cried, how you felt left behind, your tears, your pain, how you had to do a job lower than your level, how you felt left behind, how you thought that you were wasting your life and your life could have been better somewhere else. It is not wasted. Bible says that all things work together for good to them who, are, who love God and to those who are called. If God is doing purpose with your life, nothing is wasted in your life. When you read Psalm 56 and verse 8, it's talking about your tears. It's talking about your sorrow. I want everybody to know that verse. It will encourage you every time. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 56 and verse 8 that you, that is God, you keep track of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. I want to announce it to you today that God has got a bottle. He has got, I don't know what kind of shape, whether it's like a Coca-Cola bottle or, uh, I know it's not a beer bottle, but a Coca-Cola bottle, another kind of bottle. But God has got a certain divine bottle where he keeps all your tears. That means that God has a record of all those tears. He said he has recorded every one of them in his book. So why do you think that what you are going through is a waste? If it was a waste, God would not have kept any record. God would have just said that it doesn't matter. It's not part of the person's story. So I'm not keeping it. But the, your tears, your sorrow, your pain, your failures, the things that you have gone through, God has collected all of them in his bottle. He's recorded everyone in his book. So God has a record of every bit of your life. And every detail of your life will be used by God to fulfill your ultimate purpose. Amen. So beloved... I'm coming to the end of what I'm talking about today. God has a way of taking all the low points in your life together with the high points, with the not so low points, the temptations that you succumb to, people leaving you as friends, people uh, shameful moments in your lives. I mean, people not responding to come to church, which you are calling people there. The high points in your life, successes you have spiritually, physically, academically, etc. Et he mixes all of them up and produces an ultimate destiny for you. An ultimate destiny that is excellent. So at some time, it's going to look like delays. At some time, they are going to look like God is not showing up in your life. But I want to let you know from God's perspective that as his child, there is not a single episode of your life that will ever be wasted. Not one tear that you shed. No examination that you failed. No man or woman who left you. Nothing you had to endure was or is or ever will be wasted in your life. God is going to use everything you have been through to get you ready for what he is about to do in your life. Can I hear an amen? Exodus chapter 4. This is the last passage we'll read. Exodus chapter 4 verse 18. To 23. The Bible said that so Moses went and returned to Jericho, his father-in-law, and said to him, sorry, he, he returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go and return my, to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go Return to Egypt. For all the men who sought your life, they are dead. It's going to come to a time that the people who seek your life, they will all die. People who are troubling you, you cannot make it. The witchcraft coming from afar or from near, seeking your life, they will all die in the name of Jesus. Then Moses took his wife, he took his sons, he took his, his, his donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, you know, the rod of God, Moses got it from the wilderness. I believe God taught him some tricks with that rod. 
And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go and he, will, and he, he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. So Moses was the only one that God could use for this purpose. Why? Because Moses could speak in their language. Moses had been in the palace of Pharaoh. He could relate to them because he had been in that palace before. He knew the protocol. He knew the procedures. He knew the process. It's what God had taken him through his life from the palace to the wilderness and everything it was all part of his purpose who to talk to how to bow down who to bow down to listen a lot of us you've been to uk before how many of you can go to uk and say hey you want to go and see the queen you say what's up queen and then you you go and you want to give the queen high five you'll be in trouble in fact you'll not even get very far because there's protocol but do you know that there are some people who are able to just go straight to the queen they just walk because they have a relationship and they have been through some things in their life that makes them qualified to do so. He knew what it was like to serve. He served Jethro. He served the people in that line. He didn't serve his people, but he did it under Jethro, the priest leader of the Midianite sub-tribe. I believe Moses went up to Pharaoh and I believe he said that, I am that I am has sent me to you and he says that let my people go and i believe pharaoh will look at him if it was a, if it was an american would say that what the because he you are you are coming from a strange place and you are coming to tell me in my own land i'm a man of authority let my people go so immediately pharaoh called the magicians he sent for the magicians to come and display some juju to scare Moses. So he took a rod. Let me say that this is the rod. The magicians took a rod. And then. And threw the rod down. And the rod turned into a snake. So if you have not been through that situation before snake. A lot of you I know in this temple. You don't like. When you even hear snake. You want to flee. But he threw the thing down. Why do you think God took Moses through the wilderness? He knew he was going to encounter snakes. He knew he was going to encounter these animals. So, so Moses saw that snake and said, you know what? Oh, don't worry. Moses took his rod. Apart from what he had physically endured in the wilderness, God had also trained his hands for certain things. So he also took that rod in his hand and he put his rod down and his rod also turned into a snake and he said look at what I've got. Apart from the rod turning into a snake, the rod got a superior mentality and swallowed their snakes to show that the God that he served had a greater power over whatever they had. That's why he took him through the wilderness. I'm sure that Pharaoh said, hey, but we didn't teach you these things in the palace. We did not teach you how uh, the snakes can swallow other snakes. And, and Moses probably was saying to them that, well, the superior God and the mighty God I serve, he took me to the wilderness to train me in these things. So he just proved to Pharaoh that he had learned how to survive, not only to survive, but to thrive in the wilderness and was not going to be intimidated by any of the things he did. And the Bible says that after 10 plagues, Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. The final lessons I want to give on us today is that number one, it is easier to lead people to a place where you have already been to. Easier. If you have not been married before, don't become a marriage counselor. It doesn't help. You can have all the theoretical tricks. But the people who have been there before, even though they might not have gone to school, they'll be better than you because they have experienced it. If you have not been married before, don't turn yourself into a relationship expert. Kai, I mean, you have not been married before. Then you are, <laughs> listen, go to somebody who can help you. If you have not been somewhere before, 
I mean, it's, you cannot do that. You know, I remember when I came to Delaware, I had not been to any place around Delaware before. We sat in the car, I sat in the car with my wife. And then we're driving around uh, Delaware. At a point, we got lost. I'm, I was the one driving. And when men are driving, we never really get lost. <laughs> we never want to confess that we are really lost. So my wife noticed that I was quiet. And when I'm quiet, it means that I'm trying to find the route to pass. He said, no, my, my wife looked at me and said, is everything okay? Do you know where you are going? So, I said, everything is in control. Everything I got is under control. So after driving around, my wife said, let's just ask somebody. I said, me, to ask somebody, chief driver in the land of Delaware. I'm not going to ask anybody. So we drove around. I came to a point that I said, okay, we, we saw a gas station. And I said, okay, let me go and ask. And I entered the store there and I greeted the man there and I said, oh, well, I am looking for, I mentioned my street. He said, you are looking for what? He said, yeah, 40 winter water. It's all good. Yeah, but unfortunately, you are not in Delaware anymore. I said, hey, where am I? He said, you are in Maryland. I said, hey. My wife was in the car, and I didn't know how to take this story back to my wife. Because she had been telling me, ask, Tom, ask, ask. That in, in Maryland. What I didn't know then was that from where we lived, Maryland was only five minutes away. But I didn't know. But when I heard Maryland, I said, hey, because coming back from wherever I was, I knew that Maryland, Delaware, there was a gap. You know, so sometimes when I've been, not been to a place before, sometimes when I sit in the car, I have uh, women in the church who know places. I have Janet, uh, uh, Jay, and we have Florence. When I sit in their car and they are driving, I'm confident. Because they know places. They can take me to places. You see the level of confidence they have. Sometimes they don't even need GPS. When you know somewhere before, it's easier to help people who are now going there. So Moses' experience, it shows us that if, you, if God takes you through anything in your life, it's going to be useful. Nothing is ever going to be wasted in your life. Take everything you go through as a training ground with God as your coach. To prepare you for your future. So it's just like the experiences of Moses. Everything that Moses went through in the wilderness was to prepare him for his role as leader of the people of God. And God did it strategically for a reason. The second point is that the complications of life will unfold the fullness of your destiny. Because very often in a Christian's life, complications are misunderstood. We spend time, we are binding, we are losing, we are breaking, we are resisting, we are calling fire by force, everything. But Moses probably felt terrible when he was leading Jethro's flock in the wilderness. Why? Because he had been the palace of a king before. He was supposed to be the one who was ministered to and said, but he was now serving sheep. Complicated. But he did not know that it was opening another chapter in his life where he was going to be leading people. So what God did was that when you submit yourself to God through your wilderness situation, he moves you not only to another dimension of your life, he takes you to a higher dimension. God knew he was going to be leading people, but God made him lead sheep. Sheep is lower. But when time came for him, because of what he had humbled himself to do with sheep, God lifted him up to a position where he could lead human beings. That was a promotion. And may you receive that promotion in your life today. For David, the training was with a bear and with a lion in the wilderness, but the reality was Goliath. That moved him to a higher dimension. The complications of your life will unfold the fullness of your destiny. Finally, all things work together for good to those who love him. All things may not feel good, but they will work together for good if God is orchestrating it. Amen. So nothing is wasted. God does not wait to crown you before he calls you. He prepares, he preps you for your crowning moment. Nothing that he takes you through will be wasted. Nothing, absolutely nothing. He humbles you before he exalts you. Knowing that because you were able to take it at a lower level, you are capable of taking it on a higher level when he elevates you. What you think is a battle 
It's a divine training exercise. Somebody has left you, they left you, somebody has despised you, it's a training program. Let's end with this verse in the book of John chapter 11 verse 32. The Bible says that when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down under his feet. And he said, oh Lord, if you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. What Jesus gave the answer in verse 4. He said that the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified. The Jesus didn't do anything earlier because if he had done anything earlier, the miracle would have been too small to get the attention that it deserved. So he waited for a good situation to turn bad and for a bad situation to get worse. So that once the miracle was performed, it would be clear in the minds of everyone that this was the doing of the Lord. And sometimes things are going to get bad. It's going to get worse. But God does it so that he can bring glory out of that situation to fulfill purpose in your life. So God is going to connect all the bits and the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle of your life. So that at the end of the day, the, all the things that are connected together will fulfill purpose in your life. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that your word has come to bring deliverance. And for today, for anyone that is out there, you have heard this message. And maybe you have never given yourself the, the opportunity uh, to ever give your life to Jesus Christ. I believe that this is the time for you. How did you say this prayer with me this morning? That Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And without you in my life, there is no way that I can receive salvation. Come and take your place in my life. and Make me a brand new person so that the old will pass away and everything will become new. I give you all the praise and I thank you for coming into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.